eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So now Posey ranges away and Bellinger throws it so high. There are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. and There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Mark Willard and Joe Shasky on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. All right, it is the next episode of Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys with Joe Shasky and Mark Willard talking through all things Giants twice a week, as you know. And this is a special moment that we've been working toward uh, for some time and very, very excited to have the president of baseball operations for the team on with us, Farhan Zadi. Hello, sir. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, absolutely happy to do it. I, I don't think it's that special, but uh, I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah, no, well, we do. And so, uh, you know, darn it, we're in charge here on this one. You're in charge of everything else, but we're going to say it's special. Um, let, let's start with this. I mean, um, first of all, I wonder, you know, when you construct a roster like this year coming off of last year, it felt like a similar concept in terms of roster construction. And while it's been good, Obviously, things have not been as easy, uh, and I don't know if you would even use that word, but it has not been quite as obviously successful this year as last. So would you agree that it was a similar concept, and and what's your assessment of, of what, you know, what, what the differences have been this year? Yeah, I think that's all totally fair. Uh, we spoke a lot in the offseason about wanting uh, some degree of continuity with the group given the success. Um, and I think that was more about the personnel than, you know, the roster construction model or anything like that. Um, obviously, the biggest task we had this offseason was, at least in our minds, was remaking the rotation, knowing, you know, we had a lot of free agents. And I was thinking about it this morning. I mean, we really signed six starting pitchers. Uh, we re-signed, you know, a couple of our own guys in Wood and Desclafani. We signed Rodon and Cobb. And of course, we also signed Jake Junis and, and Matt Boyd, who we hope is back at some point. So that was some pretty heavy lifting. And on the position player side, you know, recognizing people would have um, liked to see a little more glitz and glamour. And I, I hear and read all that stuff. 
you know, we have a pretty deep roster. And in fact, we've been so rarely fully healthy this season. The one time we were healthy, fully healthy, we, we had to trade Mauricio Dubon off the roster, which is something we didn't really want to do. So that speaks to what the roster would have looked like when fully healthy. And, you know, anybody else we added to that group, somebody else would have come off. And so that's where you can't always anticipate health and how that might impact things. And I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more. But I do think it's fair to say we have the same model, the same construct, want to mix and match a little bit offensively. Um, and I think we do things pretty traditionally on the pitching side. And a lot of that meant um, kind of restabilizing the rotation with a lot of the free agents we had. You know, I'm looking at this team and, and heading into the year. Estrada, I mean, I didn't know he was going to be this productive. You know, Yastrzemski bouncing back looks fantastic. Luis Gonzalez coming out of nowhere. Um, is, is there a big surprise for you, though? Is there a guy or maybe an element of this team um, that's the biggest surprise thus far? That's a really good question. I mean, Luis Gonzalez is a really good one because he was obviously a guy who we liked the ability, but um, you just didn't know whether the opportunity would come. And frankly, you know, between Duggar and Wade and Belt, if we hadn't had some of these injuries, you know, Luis would have probably been in AAA this whole time. So again, that's sort of part of our model and our thinking is we are okay with creating opportunities for uh, younger players, for guys coming up in AAA. You know, some guys have 10 to 15 unproductive at-bats and they go back down. Other guys, um, you know, get off to a really good start and show something and put a lot of pressure on us to find a way to keep them up. So we like that model. We like doing things that way as opposed to going out and grabbing a veteran to patch a hole on the roster. Um, and again, <laughs> there are some guys who come up and take advantage. There are some guys um, who, who struggle and it's a shorter stint and, I think everybody understands that. And so he's he's a guy who really stands out for me as a really nice success story so far this season. Let's dive right into kind of what you're saying, because you've mentioned it a couple of times already, our model. And then you've also, we, we all know how aware you are of, of the fans saying, spend money, get big <laughs> names, let's go. So if you let us in on that a little bit, what is what is the model? And, yeah. and, and where do potential big names, if you will, fit into it, if at all. Yeah, I mean, so so getting back to what we were talking about on the position player side, we really felt like, if anything, we had room to add one bat, right? I mean, maybe some people would argue we should have moved some guys off the roster who were either out of options or already on contracts, um, but we liked the makeup of our team. We really had, like, one roster spot of wiggle room. Um, and we had a few guys on that list. And Jock was very high on that list. I mean, hmm. he's a guy who obviously I have familiarity with. Gabe has familiarity with. He's from the area. And honestly, I go back to when I interviewed for this job in whenever that was, October, November 2018. And, you know, in, in my presentation uh, to ownership, I kind of listed some players who I thought would be great targets and, and he was right at the top of the list. Now I hope he doesn't hear this and, and feel too flattered by it, but you know, that's how uh, far back, you know, our interest, my interest in, in bringing Jock to San Francisco was. So, you know, he, he had an interesting year last year. He won another ring. Um, it wasn't his best season on paper and it wasn't a great free agent market for him, but that was one where it's like, Hey, let, let, 
let's go get the player we want and let's not say we've got to spend at least X dollars. And, uh, you know, that's how uh, he wound up really being the primary bat that we added. And you compare him against the top free agents and he's right up, uh, right up there with them. So, you know, and, th and then the other point is we just don't like to totally jam up the roster and prevent, you know, a guy like Luis Gonzalez from getting the opportunity. And, um, you know, I, I guess to some degree, we've been fortunate pulling, you know, rabbits out of hats on some of these guys. In 2019, it was Yaz. In 2020, uh, there was a couple of guys, Darren Ruff, uh, you know, really came on in 2020. Last year was Lamont Wade. And and, and this year we have Luis Gonzalez. And, and that doesn't, you know, those opportunities aren't created if, you know, you you go out and sign a bunch of free agents and you just have no wiggle room on your roster. So, um, you know, I, I, I get where <laughs> there are times we bring up a player and the questions are, who is this guy? And, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, why don't we have more familiar names? But, you know, those are the guys who become the familiar names and have a chance to be here for a long time. So, um you know, I, you're right. I, I kind of default to that term model a little bit too much. I guess it's more of a philosophy than anything else. But it, it's really with the thought process of when we when somebody is able to get over that hump, um, you know, if we have the right support system, if we evaluate guys right, if we develop them right, they have a chance to be here for a really long time. I mean, Jock is having a great year, but it's a one year contract. And, you know, I think we'd love to bring him back. But uh you know, you just never know when a guy's going to be a free agent. But, um, you know, a guy like Yaz is going to be here for five or six years at least. And same is true for Lamont and Luis Gonzalez. And that's the kind of continuity that I think every team hopes to achieve. I guess the follow up to that is from fans who say like, OK, this is it's great to keep getting what what we've started calling the Farhan fines. Uh, that's, <laughs> right. that, that's great. But is there a philosophical, uh, you know, uh, hesitancy is is there something against the idea of the very expensive long-term contract for a big name what, what what would be your response to that yeah not not at all and again i think um you know when you go back to this past off season um you know it wasn't about finding the best one-year deal for that position player it was about finding the player who we thought fit us best. So we had conversations about some of the guys who signed multi-year deals. And, um, you know, uh, again, I, I still think interestingly on the position player side, we run into a little bit of apprehension of guys about our ballpark, which is interesting because anybody on the ground knows that our ballpark has been pretty neutral over the last couple of years, whether it's, um, you know, the ball or moving the fences in, you know, the whole moving the fence thing, it was a huge deal. And now nobody talks about right. it, um, but it really has made a big impact. Um, and then, you know, I've got my own little climate change uh, theory out there uh, because I think about when I was with the A's and I used to come over, you know, when we were playing the Giants and I couldn't sit outside for more than an inning or two. I would always be freezing. And the fact that we have a lot of evening games where the conditions are, are you know, where I can last more than an inning or two outside. Yeah. I think we've seen the ball carries better. I mean, the ball's carried better, better over the last three or four years. So um, you know, that's another thing we deal with on the position player side is really selling guys 
on coming here for the long term. And, and uh, I think there are those concerns that still exist about the park, which I think this organization has dealt with for a long time, but not at all. I mean, I, I think we're, we're always willing to do um, a, a longer term deal for the right player if it's the right fit. You know, it, it, I appreciate your candor on the on the free agency, maybe their apprehension of, of playing in this ballpark. So, like me as a Giants fan, I pivot to, the, all right, well, what about our farm system? Like, what about all our young guys? And I think the beauty of last year, you had all the vets and the, the, the holdovers, that homegrown mm-hmm. infield, for example, and then you mixed in a lot of young guys, and you saw a quantum leap from a Logan Webb, and you saw Doval yeah. kind of come out of nowhere. And then I'm sitting here looking at Joey Barton. I'm like, wow, salivating over Joey, you know, getting drafted number two overall. And it hasn't been a straight line of success. How do you guys, you know, assess where he's at right now? And and how do you get him to get over that hump? Yeah. You know, I think that there's a, a whole class of young players who are still finding their footing in their careers after the COVID season of 2020. And I think he's really the quintessential example of that. We talked that whole spring training on how this is a guy who had less than 100 at-bats above A-ball, and he wasn't ready. And then he went and had a great camp, and he was tearing the cover off the ball at the alternate site. And then our boy Buster Posey opted out. And, you know, it was just this sequence of events that led to like, hey, let's, let's, let's give this guy a try. And under normal circumstances, personally, there's no way I would ever bring up a young player who had that little upper-level upper experience to the big leagues. Um, I think we said that over and over again until, you know, we were having struggles at the catcher position. He was playing great at the alternate site. Um, and, uh, you know, to some degree, I think it was, you know, my failure to not create a different alternative for us, you know. I mean, if we had, you know, a, a door number two to open uh, to fill that catching position, Maybe we have gone that way and and kept Joey at the alternate site. But I think that season coming up, struggling the way he did, which is no secret. Um, uh, on the one hand, I think it was a development experience for him. I think he's a lot more comfortable in the big leagues now, which we see. But there's just no substitute for upper level reps if you're a hitter going through the progression of high A to double A to triple A to the big leagues. And a lot of times you're up and down you know, between just AAA and the big leagues before you master it. So I think his development arc has been disrupted again, like it's been for a lot of young players. And, you know, you're a point now where you're seeing some of those struggles continue, where if he had gotten, you know, if in 2020 he'd spent the whole year in AAA, and if 2021 he'd been up and down and, and gotten a little bit more experience, maybe we're seeing smoother sailing right now. But, you know, as our coaches have said, as Cap has said, this guy's been an absolute trooper. He's doing a great job defensively and he's just fighting through it offensively. I mean, offense is down all around the league. And I think when you look at catching in particular, I think he's still kind of hovering in the vicinity of league average offensive production for a catcher. So I think we try to put those things in context. But again, I think he's just had an unusual past two or three years. And I, and I think that's impacted his development a little. Giants president of baseball operations, Farhan Zadi is with us on the garlic fries and baseball guys podcast. We hope that you rate review and subscribe. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy all in one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC pro recharge kits. 
Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Everyone's looking for that homegrown star or stars. And so, you know, and you can loop Joey into this conversation uh, but the names we often hear from an Elliot Ramos to maybe even a little bit further off from a Marco Luciano. What, what, what is the thought right now on, on the timeline that, that might be created there? And, and, you know, even when Ramos comes up, it's kind of like, well, you know, we'll just try to find a spot for him here or there. And I know he's struggling in the, in the minors, but, but what does your mind's eye see right now for, for those guys? And, and when do you think that, that you know, they, they might really get that, the same kind of shot that Joey is getting now? Yeah, you know, I just, we, we use this term a lot. We, we really want our farm system to be a meritocracy, where if you produce, you move up. When you're productive at AAA, you get an opportunity in the big leagues. And with Ramos in particular, um, you know, it's been a challenge because we've talked to him about saying, Hey, like you have all the talent in the world. We know how hard you work. Um, show us that you're the best player in that triple a lineup, you know, make it embarrassing for us to keep you down there. And uh, you know, it's, it's through no like lack of effort or energy. Uh, but you know, he just hasn't produced uh in the way that you want a guy to produce in AAA before you call him up to the big league. So, you know, when I look at that AAA team now, I look at a guy like David BR, who's been unbelievable um, and is coming off a strong season in AA, which was a little bit overlooked because that's such a tough hitters league, um, and hope he gets an opportunity. He's got a little bit of an injury now, so he's out a few days. But, you know, we've been moving him around. We've been having him play some second base in addition to first and third as a way to get his uh bad in the lineup so that's really exciting for us um you look at a guy like kyle harrison uh who um you know we recently promoted to double a and again i mean he's young but he was striking out more than half the guys he faced in high a ball and it's early but you know we've got like uh itchy fingers when it comes to you know promoting guys we want to push the button and get guys moving so uh but the way to do that really is um to make a case that, hey, I've mastered this level. I'm ready for the next thing. So a guy like Luciano is in high A. He's he's producing really well. Is he making the case that he just shouldn't be at that level anymore? No. And as a philosophy, I think it's a little bit different for position players and pitchers. If you're a pitcher and you go out and just have an insane month where you're striking out half the guys you face, you can kind of figure out that, this guy's too good for this level a lot quicker for a position player. You can have a hot month. I mean, there's so many times when a guy has a 900 OPS and we start thinking about whether we should promote him and we don't. And then the next month it's down to a 700, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can have those hot and cold streaks for position players more than pitchers. And I think that 
that's part of what makes us a little bit more conservative on the hitting side. You know, I'm looking at this team at the big league level right now, and there's just it's it's sometimes my eyes can't be justified by the numbers that I'm looking at. Like they don't like sync up here. I, do you guys have that issue as well? Because I'm looking at some of these ERAs, like Alex Cobb, for example. The defense behind him has not been good enough, and and I don't think his ERA reflects how well he's pitched. I don't think defensively they've been as good this year. The team overall situational hitting hasn't been the greatest, but yet you look up and you guys are second and run scored. How do you guys weigh like the eyeball and the analytics? Cause I feel like we've kind of overrated the analytics stuff. And I feel like you guys do a really good job of blending the both. Cause I can't figure out sometimes <laughs> why you guys are at the top or bottom of the statistics at fielding, hitting, pitching, yeah. for example. Well, I will say I don't, uh, I think our pitching's been pretty good. Our rotation's been good. Our bullpen's been good. And, I mean, I just don't pay that much attention to ERA because part of what you're talking about, which is so much of it is dependent on the defense behind these guys, you know? And, I mean, maybe an ERA, whether an error is given or not, might impact things. But the play that isn't made that scored a hit can really impact the guy's ERA. I mean, I remember that Brebbia outing where, you know, Slater lost the ball in the sun you would have given up no runs if that ball's caught. He gave up three, and that went straight on his ERA. So when I sort of mentally account for that outing, I think it was a good outing, but obviously it doesn't look that way on the stat line. I mean, I think our defense, it's interesting. I go back to early 2020 when we got out to that 8-16 and 16 start, and defense, unfortunately, was the headliner then too. I mean, we don't have the most athletic team. We've got a bunch of solid baseball players who – for this to work, have got to kind of catch what they can get to and convert, you know, balls put in play into outs at a decent rate. We've got to use our positioning and our information to our advantage. And what I've seen is we've just, one is just objectively, like, I think we've given up more infield singles than any team in baseball. We've seen a lot of swinging bunts and uh, unfortunate. Oh, uh, on Duval the other day. I mean, right up the middle would have exactly. been. Exactly. He hits the bag and goes right into center field. Exactly. So that, that was a tough break. We've seen that a lot with Alex Cobb. I mean, that's, you know, that's a pitcher generating a good result when a guy mm -hmm. barely gets wood on it. But unfortunately, sometimes it can lead to a hit. And it just feels like a lot of those sort of unfortunate, you know, balls put in play and defensive miscues because we've made some mistakes defensively. There's no question about that. They've just come at bad times, which have led to three, four, five run innings. Um, and we've been, you know, snake bitten by the big inning a lot more this year than last year. And again, that's not me brushing it off to bad luck. It's been a little bit of bad luck with some bad defense um, sprayed in there. So I know Cap talks about it a lot. We just got to clean it up. We've got to support our pitchers because – you know, the other thing that bad defense does or not converting outs does beyond, you know, adding runs to uh, the ledger for the other team is it stretches these innings out, you know, and guys are suddenly throwing 30, 35 pitches. And now you've got injury risk. You've got uh, risk of uh, performance being affected. And that's why playing crisp defense is so important. So that's really the thing that stands out to me. I mean, I think our defense has easily cost us two or three games and uh, you know, two or three games, the difference between being 27, 23 and 30 and 20 and feeling like we're cruising. So uh, that's probably the biggest uh, concern for us right now. And, and the biggest thing we're focused on.
Giants president of baseball operations, Farhan Zadi, is with us on the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. We hope that you rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, Farhan, maybe this is an extension of an earlier conversation where we're talking a little bit about uh, the concept and the roster construction. Uh, your old team, the Dodgers, just seems to put a future Hall of Famer at every single <laughs> spot in the lineup, and they're not going anywhere anytime soon. So it's not even this year. When you look at the way they've constructed themselves, and I know you, and I know you know this is a big piece of why Giants fans sit there and go, "Come on!" Like they've, you know, it's it's an all-star at every position. How are you planning to counteract that yeah. now and in the years to come? Yeah, I I think it's to your guys' point, whether it's going out and and getting some of those impact players in free agency when the spot is right, when we have the opening. Um, you know, this was a big free agent shortstop class, for instance, but we brought back our, you know, homegrown shortstop who finished in the top five in MVP voting. So sometimes the opportunity and the targets just don't sync up with what you have going internally. Um, and I really think we've got to uh, have homegrown talent that is young homegrown talent that's kind of driving the position player group. And, you know, when you look at the Dodgers, when I was there um, from 2015 to 18, that's when we kind of brought in, you know, when Jock was, Jock was a rookie in 2015, Cody Bellinger came up, we sort of added Max Muncy and Chris Taylor, um, uh, you know, through different, uh, you know, smaller deals. Kike Hernandez was in a small deal. And it's almost like that group of players, the homegrown players and some of the guys that were sort of, you know, kind of uncovered finds, uh, that provided the foundation, I think, for them to go out and um, start really star hunting with the Mookie Betzes and, and Freddie Freemans of the world. So, um, you know, I think about, you know, back to 2018 when, you know, my first year in 2019, and a lot of that a lot of where we are is sort of setting the foundation where we can go out and sort of add those pieces where we have, you know, the financial structure of the team where we've got, um, you know, enough kind of controllable pieces where you can go do that. Um, and I think we're, we're making progress on that front, you know, with some of the guys that we mentioned and uh, we haven't had that homegrown player the last three or four years, you know, which we're hoping, Bart is, which we're hoping Ramos is, you know, and maybe someone unexpected like VR is, you know, if you can kind of combine some of your under the radar finds with some homegrown talent, and then you can kind of start making the big impacts in free agency. I think that's how it all comes together. But, you know, the bottom line is we are going to compete every year. We want to be in the playoffs every year. So when I look back over the last three or four years, there was no quote unquote rebuilding cycle. And, you know, maybe there were some missed opportunities to trade away some guys at the deadline and get young talent. But I don't lose any sleep over that because ultimately we're a big market team. And that means competing for the playoffs every year and, um, you know, and just continuing to try to build that foundation.
Yeah, I appreciate your your honesty there because I'm looking at Mookie Betts, Trey Turner. I mean, they were made via trades, but it took a long time because they had to fill up that farm and some of those guys had to go out and play, Seegers and whatnot. Um, there's obviously rumors of Juan Soto and all these different guys around baseball who might be available. The Mets swing a deal last year for Francisco Lindor, not just in baseball pressure, not just from the Dodgers, but what about like what the other teams in the Bay Area are doing in terms of market share internally, externally? Do you feel the pressure to kind of like sell off some of the young guys to bring in somebody to kind of jumpstart this thing? No, I'm serious. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. There, there's, I, I've been asked that a, a lot about, you know, I did uh, an interview with Tim Kawakami last year where he asked about like, do you need a star in, in, you know, on a, on a baseball team to be a world series champion or, or mm-hmm. whatever. And, you know, I just answered, I, I'm not going to say yes or no. I just don't think about it that way. You know, I, I, I want us to kind of construct the best roster possible and, you know, I only think of stars in terms of their production. You know, if somebody's really charismatic or you know, has a great Twitter account, that doesn't mean anything to me. To me, it's all about, you know, what is this guy doing to impact the game on the field and help you win games? And hopefully that's a guy that fans gravitate to because of their production. I mean, I do think over the last few years, we've paid a lot of attention to character and makeup. I think you know, this clubhouse is one of the best I've been around in that in that regard. And I think a lot of credit goes to Cap and the coaching staff for the culture that they've created. But, um, you know, in the end, I'm just never going to feel like, hey, we need to put the cherry on top of this roster. You know, um, it's always going to feel to me like uh, an evolving process. And um, I actually think a lot of big mistakes that teams have made have been when they get too narrow-minded in their focus we need a big right-handed bat we need you know a lefty setup guy um and i mean baseball and rosters and the outcomes of the game are way too complicated for any one player one thing to be a panacea so i you know i i think think as a front office we view this more as 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 an evolution and look uh, there are impact players out there that every team would love to have and you know, we obviously want to be part of that market, um, but I don't think you'll ever see us get too laser focused on on any one player. It's just not, I think, the way that championship baseball teams are built. Uh, what kind of trade deadline do you expect this year? That's a really good question. Um, you know, I I'm still trying to figure out how this uh, expanded, slightly expanded playoffs is going to work. You know, you're not hearing a lot of conversation about that, but um, uh, you know, that's going to be interesting. Um, and it, it's still, I think too early to, to have the buyers and, and sellers really formulating, although we're starting to see some separation in the standings. Um, and I think particularly teams on the selling side might start putting those bulletins out at some point. Um, look, at the end of the day, I think every competitive team um, really wants to feel like we have everything we need in-house and we don't we don't want to be in a position to feel like we have to make a deal at the deadline. You know, that I think is the position you want to be in. But at the end of the day, you've got to see where you are in the standings, see where you are health-wise, see where you are roster-wise, um, and understand that you can make a move that's impactful. So... We'll see. I mean, when we have everybody healthy, we still really like our roster. We think we've got a really good group of position players that complement each other well. Um, you know, if we have, you know, we've got that seven deep rotation. And so hopefully 
we that that can continue to evolve. And then our bullpen, you know, which had the best ERA in April, and you know, a, a really bad ERA in May, and uh, you know, so so we'll see how the, how that group evolves. We still have faith in them, but we'll just have to monitor each group of our our team and and you know move to action if if we think that the right deal is out there. You know, we, we love talking to you, and I love your, like, cerebral look at the game. It's kind of emotionless. You're talking about, like, the, the batting averages around the league, right? It was 238, I believe, was the league average going through, like, May 20th. So the lowest in, like, 60 years. Um, and I, what's going on in baseball? Is the ball dead? You know, everybody's going launch angles, strikeouts. There's all these trends right now in baseball. And I'm noticing, like, two 20-game hit streaks happening this week. So you're starting to see some con- uh, contact come back. I guess where I'm going at with this is – what do you think is the next trend? Now, forget for this year. Like the next trend over the next couple of years. Shifting was very much in vogue. You know, using that starter who would come in for like an inning or two. Very much in vogue. The way bullpen sophistication has gotten. What do you think the next trend is in baseball if you had to put your finger on it? Well, uh, first of all, I'd say that uh, I appreciate and I know you mean it in a complimentary way that I have this emotionless take on baseball. <laughs> I need to have you talk to my wife who has to endure me watching our games. About <laughs> whether she thinks I'm emotionless. <laughs> but uh, well, I'm um, also irrationally emotional. So, I'm yeah, I, I, got, I got plenty of that in me. Don't uh, you got to take <laughs> my word for it on that. But, you know, you mentioned shifting. And I really think one of the most interesting developments over the next couple of years, which is going to start impacting things next year, is just going to be how any limitations on shifting impact player production and evaluations, you know? So uh, a couple of examples, like look at a, a, a player like Jock Peterson, you know, left-handed power pull hitters are the guys who over the recent history of baseball have been most negatively impacted by shifting. Um, you know, I remember when I was with the A's about 10 years ago, Brandon Moss was one of our best yeah. players. And I mean, he, you know, I think somebody did a study that the shift cost him like 80 points of batting average is unbelievable. And um, so, you know, this offseason, are guys like that going to be more in demand because, um, you know, they're going to get some of that value back? You look at the pitching side with ground ball guys. Um you know, right now, ground ball guys are a real boon because you can put your fielders wherever you want. You know, once you have limitations, are more balls going to get through on those guys? Um, you know, Andy Bagley wrote a great piece about uh, Tyler Rogers recently and, you know, mentioned how difficult it is for us to position behind him. He's an interesting guy because he's a ground ball guy who probably won't be impacted because nobody can figure out how to shift behind him to begin right. with. So, I think that's going to be one of the most interesting things this offseason. It's going to be talked about a lot next year if the shift gets, quote unquote, banned, as people are talking about players whose production goes up, pitchers who are negatively impacted. And it's all kind of going to make sense once people look under the hood. But I think it's going to be a fun development the next couple of years. Uh, Farhan, I got two quick fun ones on, on your way out the door here. And, and you might have already answered this one uh, with uh, with Joe saying uh, the, the emotionless approach. But <laughs> there are so many um, conceptions about you and the way you put it together. What's the biggest misconception about Farhan Zaidi? I think it's probably that one. You're right. I think you answered it. I mean, I hope that the guys that I work with never divulge the text threads that were on during games where I can 
I can just be behaving like a, a whiny kid when things are going badly. So um, there, there are uh, there are many times when I have to say, oh, oh, please disregard that text or something like that. <laughs> so I don't know. They probably, you know, they, they probably have their notifications off or something like that when I when I badger them. That that's probably the biggest thing is, um, you know, we have to be a little bit detached when we make difficult decisions. But in the heat of competition. When our games are going on, we're as emotional as anybody. Uh, and then the last one, and I will ask this with a wink and a smile, because I know here we are in June, which means it's time for friends to start planning their fantasy football drafts. Uh, Farhan, what makes a good fantasy football commissioner? <laughs> well, I'm in my uh, – I actually have a fantasy basketball league that I've been in for like 25 years. That's the one league that I'm uh, – a commissioner in okay. and I like to uh, give a little bit of a suggestion. I like the cloud of suspicion that I'm corrupt, right? Like, <laughs> I don't think you want to be this total clean operating upfront guy. Like you want a little darkness and intrigue uh, when you're in the commissioner role, you want people to be suspicious of you and you want to play that up. You want to be on the power trip as a commissioner. So I saw Mike Trout's comments about uh, about you know what's now become the infamous fantasy league, and all I can say uh, to Mike Trout is just embrace it, man. Embrace the darkness of yes. being a commissioner. All right, now I got to ask you: number one overall pick all time. Who are you taking in fantasy basketball of all the players you've ever seen? Who's the guy? Forget baseball. I want to know who your number one overall pick. If you were starting a fan fantasy team right now of all the players in the history of the NBA, who would it be? I mean, right now, and again, this is like probably very biased to the present. It, it's got to be Giannis, right? I mean, this guy's completely insane, like the stat lines he puts up. And, you know, scoring is up. The superstars in the league now versus, you know, 25 years ago when I started, the way they fill up the stat sheet now is not like it was 25 years no. ago. So uh, that's a tribute to, I mean, we have some un unbelievable players in the game. And, uh, you know, my league is like a points plus rebounds plus assist league. Yeah. It's a basic scoring system. So I love Steph Curry. I love the Warriors. Nobody get mad at me for, for not mentioning <laughs> him. But I've never been in a league that had three-pointers uh, as, as a separate category. So that's my excuse for not mentioning him. Any Warriors on your team now? You know, I'm trying to think this past season, I don't think I had one. So oh. I'm going to have to work on that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's not a super fantasy friendly team if you don't have one of the top, you know, two or yeah. three guys spread it around a little bit. And, you know, Auto so, Junior is not winning you a fantasy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm blaming them for that. Not me. <laughs> Perfect. Um, hey, Farhan, what a ton of fun. Thank you so much for spending Absolutely. this time with us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been a blast. Thanks, guys. Oh, yeah. The uh, president of baseball operations for the Giants, Farhan Zadi on Garlic Fries and Baseball Guy.